0: It's
1: real, it's real You know the deal, you know the deal Hey, it's Chante And I'm Natalie, and welcome to What's the Deal? A podcast powered by The Norfus Firm At The Norfus Firm, we solve people problems We work with employers all around the world On HR and diversity, equity, and inclusion issues And for the first time, I'm looking in the right camera Because I never know where to look And I finally had enough courage to ask <laughs> So, um, yeah, I mean, for those of you who watch on YouTube, you will see that I probably look like I'm looking all around the sky sometimes, but today I got it together. I got it together, guys, Um, slowly but surely. All right. So we're back for part two Mm -hmm. of talking about building global DEI strategies. Um, We are so glad to be rejoined by Charlene Brown of Hallett Brown, who is a DEI practitioner, HR expert, employment lawyer like me in the UK, um, and really happy to have you back, Charlene. Um, so when we're thinking about what we, how we sort of talked, began this was, is DEI a US issue? We've heard that a lot. People think it's a US issue, but it's really DEI is something that is uh, universal. Mm-hmm. May show up in different ways. Uh-huh. You may approach it differently in different places. Um, in this episode, we wanna start thinking about, okay, we know it's a global issue. We know we gotta think about when we we're building um, DEI strategies for multinational companies that we're thinking about it from beyond just, you know, the home country uh, standpoint. Um, and so we wanna talk a little about the considerations. I'll just tee up that, and, and I, I'd love for you to, to chime in and then we'll kick it over to you, Charlene. I think the very first consideration is mindfulness. 100%. And we talk about this a lot and we will continue to talk about it a lot because the thing about mindfulness is it gives you the freedom to know you do not have to be an expert in 100% of everything that is going on in the countries that your employees are in, but you're thoughtful about the fact that you're not only thinking
0: about it from your own lens, Mm -hmm. right? What do you think about that? I mean, it has to start with the mindfulness because you have to slow down (laughs) You have to really pull it back, like slow down and really take that view of, okay, what do I have in front of me and what, what's happening here? So the pause, the slowdowns, we're going a million miles a minute all the time, but in order to really to, for what we do center people and be considerate and work in integrity, you have to slow it down at least initially to get a sense of what's going on and then get present to what are the, the issues then you can devise a strategy and move forward and do what you need to do. But it, the mindfulness piece is key because you gotta stay, you gotta slow down.
1: Yeah, because it becomes really, really easy to judge before you actually learn and understand. And Charlene talked about the idea of wanting to understand where people are coming Mm -hmm, from, which is mm -hmm. huge for us too. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, a quick example there, we had, we'd done a listening session with employees and there was um, a debate, especially in in the Netherlands around the use of a character called Black Pete and Black Pete is like essentially like Santa's helper, but when you look at it from an American lens, Black Pete has blackface. Mm-hmm. And there's a definitely a conversation going on about that in the Netherlands, which we we learned from one of our colleagues. And in this in this listening session, that topic came up, and a woman said, "Oh, well, Black Pete makes the kids smile." And my initial reaction was like, "Ah, it's blackface." But I didn't react that way because I paused and said, "I'm a visitor to this conversation." I'm not from the Netherlands. I don't have the perspective of growing up with this character and, and that character meaning something for me. So this is an opportunity for me to listen and learn. Mm-hmm. It's not an opportunity for me to challenge her view mm-hmm. because it's we're ta- we're having we would be having two different conversations. Right, Exactly. So Charlene, when you when you're thinking about you know the. Sort of considerations for building a strategic plan for a multinational company. What are some of the other things that 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 you advise clients to think about?
2: Yeah, there's lots, uh, lots of things, and some of them align with pretty much what you what you've both said there. I mean, the first thing is we call it our core code. Um, it's looking at the structural, procedural, and experiential aspects of what's going on in the organization. The easiest analogy to give it to you is a car engine which is hilarious for me because I don't know really a lot about cars, but if you imagine the the uh, structure is the outer shell of the engine, right, which is the working, the, in, the the mapping, the structure of the organization, what it's supposed to do, how it's set up. The procedure part is for a car, it's the, it's the fuel, whatever you put in to make it drive, which is the processing, the policies, the outworking of that structure. And then the experience, if it's a car, it's how it drives, right? But from a workplace, perspective, it's how you experience the outworking of that structure through its policies, through its decision-making, and through its actions. Now, if we go back to an engine, if you're if you, um, if you if you're supposed to have petrol and you put diesel and the car doesn't even start, then the experience is taking you nowhere. Likewise, if you have a dent in your infrastructure and it's leaking something out, how is it supposed to be sustainable? So the organizations, one of our first recommendations is to look at all those three. And think about what's happening the other aspect of it is is to you said mindfulness we say thoughtfulness in terms of considering that it's it there's a bigger picture at play here and um i hope this is not classed as cursing for your podcast but you've got to leave your own shit at the door right it's got nothing it's not about you it's about everybody so what do i need to know how do i need to know what's going on and how do i drive it that way and then And then the plan, you also need to consider how you infuse whatever your strategy is with the outworking of the organizational objective. So if it's a commercial business, if it's a mission-driven business, how can you bring them into alignment? Because often organizations suffer when their DEI is over here and their commercial strategy is over there. And then um, I think last but not by no means least, what are you ready for? because you can't, you can't have perfect, well, perfect, it's a misnomer, it's not obtainable, but you can't do everything you want in a heartbeat. You need to build up to be ready for some of those things. So the journey an organization might think, you know, they might think it might take them a year. It could probably, it would likely take them five. And that stuff has to be built on, tested, learn, understand, refresh, redefine, and move forward in a staged uh, process. <sighs>
1: Wow. Well, this is, it's so powerful for so many reasons. The one thing I really want to highlight from what you've just shared is the time piece. I think that being realistic about what it takes to get where you need to be is really, really critical because I think that, and, and we've talked about this too, is like when you know, George Floyd was murdered. There was a flurry of activity around the world. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we saw protests around the world. We saw brands and companies getting more specific about what they were going to do instead of like, you know, just this, oh, we stand and we we stand with this community. Like the statements were getting more meaningful and purposeful. And then there was the flurry of activity and then people were frustrated. And they're like nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I equate it to like working out, where it's like the weight you were trying to lose didn't happen overnight. So going to the gym one time is not gonna be something that, you know, gets you to where you wanna be weight wise or physically, right? And more importantly, even when you get to your ideal weight, you still have to work out, right? Like you don't just stop.
0: And working out's only one part of it. It's really the nutrition. So you're not <laughs> even doing the real thing that you're supposed to be doing. <laughs>
2: so if, yeah. we're, if we tie that back yeah. and, and and continuing on that as well just because you walk through the doors of the gym doesn't mean you've done anything either so you can talk all you want but if you aren't rolling it out into action it means nothing
1: exactly so we get out of analogy world and bring that into like what we really mean is that yeah <laughs> showing up is the first step but Understanding, going through exactly what you're talking about of we got to start from the top here. Where are we? Where are your policies? How are your people experiencing those policies? Where are your leaders in their journeys? That part takes time, Mm -hmm. right? To go through and take Uh stock of where you are. So this idea that like right away you're going to have way more representation in your leadership ranks or right away people are going to love you and feel like they want to stay here is unrealistic. So I think what I take away, Charlene, from what you shared is let's be realistic about what's possible because that h- helps to avoid you know the burnout of people feeling like it's not happening fast
0: enough. To create an impactful diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy, you need expertise. And that's exactly what the Norfus Firm provides. The Norfus Firm comprises an alliance of consultants with decades of experience in DEI strategy, HR services, executive recruiting, and more. Learn more about all of our services at thenorfusfirm.com. And so I have a question or elaborating on that, Charlene, when you're looking at it. So that's That's what you have to do in general, right? Like we have to do that everywhere, wherever, if you're running an organization, you have to do that. But then things get complicated when we're talking about global um, workplaces and workforces. So what are the additional considerations that need to be applied when you're thinking about like an international workplace?
2: Yeah, so, so all those things that I said, kind of at the organizational wide lens, and then the next layer is, okay, how are these out working culturally, socially, economically, on the ground? What's happening? What are the drivers in those countries that are destabilizing safety, trust, uh, a sense of belonging? Um, how do they impact and show up in our workplace? Because, you know, whether uh, for a long time, you know, there's this whole debate about, well, this is an employer we can't be responsible for everybody's lives and I get that but the the reality is the outside world is so challenging now and so fraught in many different ways. It's feeding into the workplace. People are seeing what's happening outside and they're talking about it inside. It's making it your business in that sense. Mm-hmm. And that's separate to how, how the organization, how staff experience the organization. And I think you need to pay attention. We had a, a client once ask, they wanna collect data. So one of the biggest things that you, that holds of so one of the biggest things organizations say holds them up because i don't think it should hold them up is accessing demographic data is understanding your workplace right there are different laws in different countries to the extent you can and can't collect but even if you can get over that and you can collect there are certain cultures and certain countries where the idea of collection the idea of identifying is new um or it's um unfamiliar or it's it doesn't feel safe there are some countries where colorism is fraught and people don't feel like they can declare and identify themselves as black so if you throw that out now as a global survey people are either going to lie or they're not going to do it and that they're going to question your intentions even more so there's no point in doing it this that at that time what your time is better well spent understanding the level of trust that you have to build to get people ready for that, and how you take them all on the journey with you. I think you also need to understand the dynamics with um, global organisations, um, depending on their in, their industry and their sector and their origins. There's issues of colonialism. There's dominant powers, and there's when you are a smaller office, an international office from a headquarter, whether you. Whether you like it or not, some people feel like you don't, those people don't have autonomy. Those, those groups in those countries don't have them. You have, to be, you have to pay attention to that. How do you get everybody on board? How do you find alignment and how do you take them on the journey with you? Um, and recognizing you don't know everything. So this thing, you need other people to help you show the way.
1: That's fantastic. What are you thinking about that building trust piece? Uh, because uh, yeah. we've seen the data collection issues yeah. as well. And, and it was interesting as we had a client who really insisted on still asking the demographic questions and it was so off-putting to some of the employees in other countries. I think, you know what I'm talking about there. What, what do you think could have been done differently now that we know what we know in terms of thinking about the, the trust piece?
0: Wow. Um, well, I think part of it is is the saviorism thing that comes up or the, or the paternalistic thing that comes up where we think we know more or better than what we know or don't know. It's like we we're everyone and everything is operating from some sort of information deficit. Right. Always. We never have all the facts. Yeah. Never. So it's like you, I think, you know, maybe taking a step back and, and to Charlene's point, hey, okay, so what is the dynamic here? Right. What is happening? What's going on? And, and what is the best way to build trust? Because all of this hinges on trust. So, and I'm so glad that you brought that point in Charlene, because none of this, it all falls down if there isn't any trust built. Because it's about relationships. It's about people. It's about something, you know, connecting with people. And if you, I don't trust you, I'm not, I don't care. And our identity is probably one it's of the so most personal, personal oh
1: things that we have, right? So personal. Who, who you see yourself as, who you show up as is such a personal thing and a personal choice, right? How you choose to share that information right. is so,
0: and who you choose to share it with. Right.
1: And so I think when you think about it from that perspective and Charlene's point around, like maybe you don't go for the jugular from the beginning and collect demographic information is like sometimes, and again, this brings it back to thoughtfulness, mindfulness, like like, especially when it's coming from the US, we're very used to having to give that information. When you apply for a job, you're putting all that information. When you are onboarded to the job, you put in all that information. But it's like, that's a place to pause. Do they do this everywhere else? Do they, do they so freely yeah. give of their demographic information somewhere else? And, and again, I think that comes down to all the mindfulness piece of research, Right. Get make sure you have resources to at least get people to start to give you some preliminary information about what's going on. Talk to people in those countries. I think that was one of the most humbling experiences for us because we were talking to folks in, you know, Nairobi and Brazil and Finland and all of these countries that we are not from, and it was like we came to it like a visitor like what would you want people to know about how you work here what would you want what would we see in your headlines things like that where you're being truly mm-hmm. curious mm-hmm. to understand like sort of what they're dealing
0: with
2: 100% definitely definitely and the the example that i was thinking about it was a central american or south american country and the category of black had only been on their kind their um that kind of social, uh, kind of societal, governmental demographic survey for for the past five to 10 years. And most people would declare themselves white because they felt that they couldn't get job opportunities mm-hmm. so that in itself is enough not to start collecting it's better you spend time to understand exactly what what is happening um it's probably not time for this this show because i could be here all day but one of the things i find that is probably one of my book bears is the meaningful approach versus the glamorizing of it as well events mm-hmm. sure to generate awareness but, and language and terminology, sure, there has to be a level of understanding, but let, it, let us not get distracted by that when the real issues are changing the experiences that some people have that are entirely unsafe. So you're over here trying to figure out how you what you call something, but the reality is this is a person who has a name um, and is more than one thing because we look at things intersectionally and their experiences are a big problem that mm. needs to change. Um, but I can get on my, I can get on my high horse about that. So it's, I'll stop there. We
1: love a soapbox too. We, we got, you can get on a soapbox <laughs> with us over here. So again, I think this is a nice segue into to episode three. And so just to sort of summarize here, I think regardless of where your home country is, when you have a multinational company, we're going to start with mindfulness or thoughtfulness, mm-hmm. right? Like, what are what are the th- the considerations that we need to think about? Where Where are people? How many are in different places? You know, where we can Experience. find some commonality, Experience, yeah, right? And and frankly, where you can give sometimes. Um, employees in in other countries that might have a smaller showing an idea to come up with what they need and they're like leave room for local planning and it doesn't have to all be you know centralized Um, and then this idea of pausing and being realistic about how long things take you don't build trust overnight it doesn't happen in one conversation Um, so you while there's certain places you want to get to you have to factor in the time it takes to bring people with you Um, and then I think the last thing uh, being is that, um, I love this, you know, meaningful versus glamorized piece of it, that in the end that we, we get away from worrying about what the social media post is going to look like and how we're going to make it look pretty Mm -hmm. and understand that some of this is really messy and uncomfortable and uncomfortable and very uncomfortable. Right. And that we, the discomfort is the only way to bring true change. And it's okay. And it's really okay. All right, so we'll be back really shortly with a third episode on multinational DEI strategies. Stay tuned. I
2: hear it.